This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, welcome to the show, Sherry Lade. Not lied, like I wrote an email the first time. Bad mistake, but things happen in life, and I'm glad I got you on the show now. How are you? Welcome to the Misfit Nation. I'm good, and that is unfortunately a common mistake. <laughs> I get lied instead of lead all of the time. I guess it's like this is dyslexia or mind control. You just see those letters, oh, it has to go this way, and you autocorrect on your own. <laughs> exactly, yes. So where are you at now, and, and uh, what are you doing? Well, well, I'm over in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I live in Woodinville, which is east of Seattle, about 30 minutes east of Seattle. And I work as a life coach for people in their fabulous middle-age years. And I'm also an author. An author? So what, what have you written? I have written well now. My second book just came out in August. Um, both books are now in a series, so I'm actually in the process of writing my third book because once once my publishers told me that I had a series, I thought, well, I can't stop at two books. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no one has a series with two books. So I'm wrapping up the series with a third book. But basically, these books are conversations I've had with women. Uh, by the time I'm done, this three-year project, it'll be a, over 150 different women um, sitting down one-on-one -on -one and asking, asking them questions about, um, about life. And, and each book has kind of a different theme to it. Awesome. So yeah, you, know, you do two books, that's just a sequel. And it's not Star, Star Wars uh, Envy at that point. You got to get the three and then wait a couple of years and do three more. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know how the formula works. Yeah, yeah do three, 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 and they get people all confused and stuff. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so what led you to uh, writing for one and also being a life coach? Sure. Well, the first thing that came was the life coaching before the writing. And uh, honestly, well, let's take a step back. And we've talked about my name and, and how people switch lead from lied. And I think I told you in an email, I remember remember distinctly when people did that on purpose mm. and so from from schooling I became an attorney so I practiced law for 15 years before oh. becoming a life coach well before and when I was a criminal prosecutor uh, sometimes the other side would purposely say lied and say the prosecutor lied instead of prosecutor lead or they would say mislead so they had a lot of fun with my name oh, wow. um, so so that's that's why I started as I, I went into that right after school and um, from there I, I practiced like I said for 15 years and then I stayed at home for a while with my kids and as my kids got older and I finally got to a point where hey I can do um, actually kind of what I want to do as opposed to maybe what I thought I should do in my 20s uh, and, and be more purposeful with my life. And there are a number of things that happened to me um, between that time of 20s and actually I have to say I'm now in my 50s um, that, that led me on this path. And the last of the series of events was a cancer diagnosis oh. at, 40, at 47. And um because of the way I, I went through that journey and the response I got from others, because I was very uh, public with the, with 
what I was learning and what I was experiencing, that path led me to um, the career of life coaching. Nice. I mean, thankfully you're out of the, the cancer stage. Hopefully it's totally clear. That's a yeah. horrible, I hate the word cancer. It's, it's, it should go away. I and mean, It's been around forever and we can't find a cure somehow. I don't know how, but it's a battle. Yeah. But, but thankfully you fought through that positively and made it to the other side. And like you said, you shared it publicly, showing people that you can fight and win. And I'm sure that's what helped you boost into the life coaching side of this. Yes, it had. It had. And, you know, there, it was that and, and, and another, a few series of events. For some reason, all my life teachings seem to happen through actual experience. I would like my next life teaching to be through reading a book or maybe <laughs> listening to a, a podcast. But, you know, it, it went it's back easy. to, I have, yeah, I had uh, two hip replacements in my 30s. And, oh, wow. and then uh, in my 20s, I was in a catastrophic uh, car accident where I had to learn how to walk in my 20s again. Uh, so there are all these different things that um, for some reason I learned through actually experiencing. Uh, but I figured that, there are a reason that these things were given to me and I thought that they were given to me so that I could help other people who go through um, life struggles and whatever stuff life kind of throws their way like it does all of us. Definitely. I mean, every decade seems like you have a thing that happens. You 20s, you had the accident, 30s, the hip replacement, 40s, the cancer. What happened in your teens? I yeah, well, my teens, I, I, my teens, I was a little, I went to, to a lot of high schools and I gave my parents a run around. So uh, I think maybe this is payback or something. But yeah, I keep on telling the universe, you know, universe God, that, that uh, I will listen to a podcast and I will study, study diligently to learn my next lesson. It doesn't have to be actually experimental. You don't have to test me every year, every 10 years. I don't need another test. Yes, exactly. Definitely. So uh, do you do most of your coaching online or I mean the last year and a half, probably everything was online, but before that, were you in person? Uh, no, I was always, I was always online. And um, so, yeah, so during COVID also, uh, so the same thing. In fact, most of my clients, I'm on the West coast, but most of my clients are actually East coast based. <laughs> oh, so they're ahead of me. So it's good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, as I talk to you, so I had to switch rooms for this podcast because I have painters on the other side of the house and around my office. I notice I have this bird behind me. Huh? But I'm sorry, but it looks like it's sticking out my head. So why I talk to you, I have to move it because I don't know if it's distracting to you, but it'll, it's distracting okay. me. I, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just take that off. That's, that's a little bit better. Make sure nothing's coming out my head. <laughs> Actually, Jane, I was looking at the books behind you at first, the, the uh, and yellow books. So I'm guessing those are your two books. They are. Yes. Is the next one going to be blue? Well, that's a good question. It, may, it just may be blue. It has to go along in that color scheme to, because now it's a series. Now it's a series. You got to go or mix them two together and find out what that makes and ask the auto companies what pink and yellow makes in their eyes. They'll come up some weird color. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're in the Pacific Northwest outside Seattle. Are you a Seahawks fan? I am. It's been a difficult okay. year. It's been painful. It's a rough year. My, my wife's favorite player is Tyler Lockett since she went to Kansas State too. And so she roots for them as well. Uh, nice. Well, she's she's smart, but she's probably pretty sad this year. Yeah, a little bit. I'm always sad. I'm a Giants fan. So every year, every year is hard. <laughs> so you two both are, are transplants. You don't, you don't live, you're not in New York, are you? 
No, I'm in Tennessee now. Okay. Yeah. I retired from the army here and met her in Georgia. And now we're, we're both here. So we, nice. We, we settled here because so it's pretty easy lifestyle here. Yeah, I hear, I hear really good things about Tennessee. I've always wanted to visit. I have a cousin that just moved over there. Um, they oh. moved there from California and they're enjoying they're enjoying the Tennessee lifestyle. We got a lot of people from California now, strangely. <laughs> I bet. I bet this past year you did. I actually heard a statistic that 10% of America, Americans moved uh, this year, relocated. Oh, I bet. In our, right here, they're selling 100 houses a day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's how many people are relocating here. So it's kind of crazy. And I'm sure that's something that as a life coach, people ask you, should I do? Should I, should I up and move my family now? Or should I just take this gamble and do something? How many of those questions just get thrown at you? And uh, I woke up this morning, I want to leave my house. What, what should we do? Yeah, especially during, you know, during COVID. So during COVID, I actually started doing a lot of pro bono work. Uh, and it originally started with, okay, I want to help people who are economically affected by COVID. Right. And then pretty soon I, I dropped that, um, that requirement because everyone was affected, you know, ec either economically or emotionally. Um, it, it's been a hard two years for a lot of us. And so, yes, the relocation has come up a lot of times, you know, and this is, it was interesting. So the second book I wasn't planning on writing, but for COVID and I was taking a master class in which, uh, uh, from Robin Roberts, the reporter. And she said her mom taught her to make her messes, her messages. Ah. And so the second book is my interview of women asking them, what is their mess that became their message? Nice. And for a lot of them, you know, these were things in their lives that they actually didn't take time to go back and look at because they were just fighting through it like we do to get through it. So this was the first time they looked back at these messes that they've had. And they were things that people were experiencing during COVID, like loss of job, right. um, either you know loss of home or not getting the home that they wanted, uh, relationships falling apart. And you know, it's interesting talking to these women. We realized that a lot of times these messes actually led us to something better and greater: a better job, a better career, a forced career change that turned out to be more fulfilling a house in a better neighborhood, a better apartment, um, a more fulfilling relationship. So hopefully all these messes that we've had during COVID are actually leading us to something greater. And you might be someone's publisher without even knowing it right now, since you're giving all this advice and everything, oh, I can do that same thing. I have a lot of messes. I can make myself a lot of books and that yeah, message can get yeah. out to help others. It's not just the changing your lifestyle and getting that message across for yourself. You can look back and say, I did this and I learned my lesson. So now you need to look at and reevaluate what you're doing because you're going to do the same thing and maybe bounce forward with me. Yes, I think I think everyone has a book in them. You know, everyone <laughs> has a story to write and a very interesting story, as you probably know, with talking to all these people through your podcast, that everyone has such an interesting story. If we sit down and take the time to uh, to ask the questions and, and just listen, sometimes uh, if you actually listen to hear instead of listen to speak. It helps out a lot because when, as a one, when I was in the military, you just had to do, 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 do. You do it or you don't. You do it, you get yelled at. That's it. You do your job. And as I got out, I, I hit that wall of what am I going to do with my life now? I don't know what to do with my hands because I have no boots to wear now. And then I realized I, I have value to the world. I can do other things. So for two years, I mentored other veterans. And then I got my current job where I train soldiers and then do this oh, as wow. well. So I do two things at once now. So it's pretty cool. 
I do my day job and then I do podcasting for my side gig. <laughs> so. Well, I bet you, you know, your, your, your ability to teach and train is enhanced by your conversations that you have through your podcast. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was talking to people, it was like free therapy for me, <laughs> you know, as I was writing my book and learning about other people's stories. Um, it, it made me a, a better person and a better, um, a better communicator. And probably a better coach as well, because now you're learning yes. from probably hundreds of people, and now you're getting little tidbits of advice from them as you're going through giving them advice, but you're also soaking it in. And I, I was interviewed today on a British radio station, and he asked me what I get out of podcasts, and I said exactly that. I said, I just released my 59th episode today on just a whim of starting a podcast this year, and of those 59, every conversation was amazing. I, I learned something new from every person I talked to. And it just helps me. I told him I was, I'm writing a book called 13 step guide to success and I'm getting better. I love ideas the number 13. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the number 13. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. You'll have to, you'll have to let me know when that, that comes out. I, I'm sure I could use that in my coaching and I like, that's not, I'm like, that's not 20 steps. Yeah. So that'd be too much. That'd be my sequel. <laughs> the seven extra steps go. later. <laughs> And then you'll need a third book to make it a series. Yeah, some other weird number, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, the the lessons I'm learning are, like you said, it's it's I can put a value on it. It's valuable. I can I'm learning so much on the fly, and well, just technologically too, I'm learning too. So it's a lot of stuff I'm learning at a, at my middle age, over fifty. So it's good. <laughs> oh, you're over, welcome. You're in the over the over fifty club, also. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I turned fifty one on Wednesday. Oh okay. I've got a year ahead of you. I'm. 52 in December. Oh, see, ha happy birthday early. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Holiday birthdays. Yeah, we get, we had forgotten sometimes, <laughs> especially yeah, when it's the yeah, day definitely. before Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I, a really quick little story. I actually don't know my actual birth date um, really? because yeah, I'm from, I'm originally from Korea and I was uh, orphaned in Korea. And I don't know if you know this, but Korea was the first country to, uh, start international adopt adoptions, and this follows the Korean War uh, because of all the babies that were left, all the European, Euro Asian, and Amer Asian is that it? Uh, yeah, babies that were left, yeah, Amer Asian, that's it, yeah. uh, that were left in Korea. And so I'm actually considered part of that first wave of international adoptees, even though I'm not, I'm younger than the Korean War, but, but I'm, in, I'm, con I'm considered part of that first first wave. So I actually don't know my true birth date. Uh, and, you know, they gave it to me and they had to put it in the holidays. They could have, you know, it could have been something at like June would have been greater. <laughs> they just on the wheel and said, this is the day you got born. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did uh, almost four years of service in Korea. So oh, I, learned, wow, I wow. learned a lot like, in Korea. Yeah. Well, you know, one day, you know, I, I haven't gone there except for on a short 10 hour layover. So one day, uh, one day I will make that journey. And my last trip, I took my wife and daughter with me for two years and they didn't want to come home. So they Oh, really? Me. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, so a lot of our decorations in the house now are based on Korea. Oh, see, you're, you're more Korean than me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm Korean American, I guess. <laughs> but, I'm sure you, know, you we, get that a lot. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> But we had a great time over there. And I'm sure if you get to go there and try to find uh, at least maybe the province you are from and mm -hmm. see what it looks like now based on you know, stories you may have heard in the past, that'd be great, great for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and one of course, day. shop. 
Yeah. Of course you can shop there. It's very inexpensive. <laughs> that that would be wonderful. <laughs> yes. And the food's amazing too. <laughs> Perfect. So you saw talking about your the 50-50 friendship, uh, girlfriends and more. How's that work out? How's that help people doing that? Yeah. So the first book was called The 50-50 Friendship Flow, and that kind of came organically. It was between my 49th and 50th birthday that I decided to meet with 50 women who are actually in my life for the purpose of letting them know what I've learned from them with the idea that everyone we meet is both our teacher and our student. And um, I, as I sat down with these women, I was sharing these dates on Facebook and people started asking me, how did you do this? How'd you decide to do this? I wanna do something similar. There are people that have been in my life that I haven't you know, said to them what they mean to me. And so it organically uh, became a book. And that also stemmed from attending some uh, a friend's funeral and hearing people stand up and say all these wonderful things about her and realizing they had never said these things to her. Yes. So, yeah, so that so I decided over a course of the year, I am going to sit down and tell people what I've learned from them. And it was anything from um, something as little as the way this one person, the way she greets people uh, the way she first greeted me was with such warmth as if I was her best friend. I realized, okay, that's how I'm going to start greeting people. And I swear it has established, uh, it's been the basis for amazing friendships just because of that little change in the way I greet people watching her. And, but it was little things like that. Uh, and so, so that was, that was the first book. But one nuance helped out change everything. That's, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and then I started, once I started doing that, everyone I, I meet now, it's um, so much easier for me to connect with them because I'm now my focus actually is on them versus before I think maybe I was uh, nervous, shy, uh, uncomfortable thinking about how am I presenting. And now because of getting used to this practice of really wanting to get to know somebody and recognizing that when I meet them, I'm, there's a reason for this and we're learning from each other. My focus goes on that person and, and a deeper connection is established just because of that. That's how, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, listening to hear instead of just being present. And mm -hmm. you can go in there with a warm smile, say hello to someone, look them in the eyes, shake their hands or embrace whatever. And that opens them up. They might be nervous too. And you just open them up to a whole joy world of joy for you. And now your best friends, bro. So. <laughs> yeah. And it takes away, you know, the fear of, oh, we're not going to be able to connect. Also talking to all these different people, there were, um, the women are of different ages from twenties to sixties. I spoke with different races, different economic um, levels, different political backgrounds, different education levels. And speaking to so many of these different people in that intimate way of these one-on-one -on -one conversations has helped um, me become less afraid of someone because of the way they look for lack of better words you know I realize now more you know we're all the same um, you know like I maybe I would have looked at you and been intimidated you know They're like oh my gosh this this guy was in the military he's way bigger than me uh, but now you know I would look at you and say hey I bet you we have something in common I want to get to know this guy uh, I bet you he's not scary <laughs> no not no more <laughs> once I hung up the boots I became a pleasant person <laughs> but you know it, it does it take you know talking to all these different people really does uh, it does take away 
you know, any ideas whether or not I knew I had them or didn't, um, any pre preconceived ideas that we, we wouldn't match. Um, right. It's taken that away and it's made communication and connection a lot easier. It kind of erases that unconscious bias all of us have inside us that's taught to us from a young age on. So we're walking down the street. Oh, that, that person must be bad if they're sitting on the street or maybe they're just at a bad time. You can go there and give them a dollar or a cookie and they'll be happy or whatever. Be nice to them one day and they'll be nice to someone else. Yeah. In fact, in my make your mess, your message, one woman I spoke to spoke about her son who was on the streets and we have a, I don't know about um, Tennessee, but we have a really uh, difficult homeless problem here in Seattle. And I didn't realize until I spoke to her how numb I've gotten towards the homeless that, um, you know, I would get to a stoplight and I try not to make eye contact. And after speaking to her and I have known her, she used to be my former paralegal. I've known her for over 20 years. And after speaking to her and her sharing her story, I started carrying backpacks um, in my car filled with supplies. And, and now I look, I, when I get to the corner, I make eye contact, I roll down my window in handing over the backpack. I have these conversations at the stoplights and they're short, but a lot of times they're the best part of my day. And I'm now seeing the homeless people on the streets of Seattle as I should have, you know, as, as somebody's son, somebody's daughter, somebody's mother, father, brother, or sister. So um, that's the way these stories have changed me personally and, and changed the way I interact on a daily, daily basis. Definitely. And uh, I think in large part, most of us dehumanize people that are on the street. So we see them, oh, they're, they're not good people. They're just something, they're doing something wrong. That's why they're there. We don't think of anything, the backstory at all, how they wound up there or how we can maybe make their day better to get them out of there. That's, we're never thinking that we're always thinking about the dehuman side of it and they're a zombie out there doing something and we watch movies on this. It's going to be bad. Yeah. And it absolutely has changed my life. And like I said, I've had some of the coolest short conversations with people, you know, one guy and I, I gotta say my car is kind of cool. I was trying, <laughs> this one man though on the side, he, he was dead serious. He's like, I'm going to have that car one day. Nice. And he wasn't joking. And I realized, you know, this is a man here that has, dreams he has you know he he wants to get out of this his situation and he sees a future for himself and that's something that I would have never taken the time to, to see or listen to uh, before my conversation with my girlfriend so right. um that was a that was a pretty cool day <laughs> definitely and uh, you made his day he made your day as well by by just listening to him and showing that backpack and having a, even if it's a 30 second conversation based on the light situation you just made that person's day and probably his whole week because everyone else tried by gives him the finger and keeps going and stuff. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's um, it's been, that's been the, I think the coolest uh, thing that I've experienced from the books actually is the difference. I've um, my interactions with the homeless now. And I like that you had the age group from 20 to 60. That's a large gap there. And I'm mm -hmm. sure the 20 year olds are, we're saying they're having troubles with something and you're probably inside saying, that's not trouble, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just a hurdle right now. It's not really trouble. You got to deal with it. And then the six-year-old, if you told that person, what are they talking about? It's not trouble. <laughs> Was yeah, there any, that's the any interaction between them? 
there was an interaction between them, but that's the beauty of this, you know, and the 60 year olds are telling us the 50 something year olds, wait till you're 60. <laughs> so, you know, it, it doesn't stop. And that's the beauty of having friends of so many ages. And I don't know if it's the same for men as it is for women, but for women to have the, the friends that are younger that you can mentor and the older women that have been there and, um, have gone through, you know, difficulties with their kids or through relationships. Uh, that is so valuable to, to connect with people of different ages. Especially when you have like you, have a lot of life lessons every decade, you have a big life lesson you can share <laughs> with everyone in the, that group, basically minus the, the 50 to 60. We hopefully nothing happens here besides the book releases is the only thing that needs to happen during this time. But you yeah, have yeah, well, finally, <laughs> well, finally, people our age are getting replacements, right? Joint replacements. People in their fifties now are getting joint. And finally, I have my people around me. You know, I didn't have that in my thirties, but now they're all coming to me to ask about it. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they're probably getting better hardware than you got in the, when you were in your thirties. They are. They are. <laughs> So what advice would you give for someone that's aspiring to be a life coach, uh, say after 35 years old, how, what advice would you give them to get going and just do the right thing? Well, first of all, it's, you don't have to become, you don't have to become certified because it's not, there's not a governing body that requires that yet. That being said, you do, you should go to a, a school that certifies life coaches, um, the International Coaching Federation is the school uh, or the governing body of schools um, that certifies schools. I would recommend going to school because it is very valuable. Even if you're good in general as somebody who coaches their friends and as good as, you know, kind of people go to as a mentor, to have the training um, is essential because there are, um, there are tools of the trade that you you just don't know until until you get in there and you get actually practical training with other coaches that have been doing it for a long time if you do that. Uh, so that's one, you know, get the training. Um, two, if it's something that you really want to do, go for it. I mean, I wake up every day just thrilled to, to talk to people. I love my job. And when I was practicing law towards the end of my, my career as a lawyer, as an active lawyer, I would listen to, and I was always a litigator, I would listen to I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor on my way to work. Um, and, so, and so, and that's not a way to live, you know, when you have a job and you have that as your, as your song in the morning to get going. And uh, I don't have that anymore. So, you know, there's so many different places you could be as a life coach and talk to other life coaches and find out what they do because there's so many different areas to get into in the corporate world, personal life coaching, um, coaching with kids. I, there's just, it's rich with opportunity. Outstanding. I like that you said that get the schooling. Is that an in-person school or do they do that online? Uh, well, I went through a school called IPEC, I-P-E-C, and uh, I think it has the same motto as many of the other schools that are certified by ICF. Pre-COVID, it was both in-person and online uh, uh, and in small groups, either in-person pods for training and practice outside. Uh, and it takes about a year to complete. Um, I think post-COVID, a lot of schools went completely online. So I'm not sure what they're doing right now. I'm sure a lot of people went completely online for two reasons, to stop the spread and to also save that overhead of the 
actual rent or whatever space that they had to have for the in-person classes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So, so that, that's awesome. Great advice for the up-and-comers. And, and uh, mm-hmm. when, when do you think your third book of the trilogy will be out? Well, I'm a planner, so I will tell you the exact date. It's <laughs> September 27th, 2022. 2022. All right. So less than a year. Mm-hmm. You're on it now. Yeah. Uh, you're on the ticker yeah, now. Yeah, I am. Going now. So we'll have you back on. We'll, <laughs> we'll have you back on closer to that to release that. And we can celebrate that book coming out. And hopefully both of our teams are winning by that time. Hopefully. It's yeah. be, that'll be the beginning of the season. It won't be that bad, hopefully. But they may be a lot better at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to come on the Misfit Nation and share your story with us. And of course, your coaching tips and, and uh, your life story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and and having this conversation with me. Awesome. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.